back again for episode two. Uh, do you want to break down what people are going to be hearing? Yeah, so this is a good one. The uh, podcast is What Does Cannabis Do to the Body? And Johnny's back for the second episode out of five in our introductory series to cannabis. We're going to be talking about things like what does it actually feel like to be taking cannabis and how do different strains, how do different dosing types affect this? Obviously, flour is different to oil. Um, a discussion about the science. What is the endocannabinoid system and how does it work? And how does cannabis interact with the endocannabinoid system to have a variety of different effects in the body? Um, and then also, is it safe? Because obviously, at the end of the day, that's something that you want to make sure. Uh, find out more in a second. All right, James, time to put your legal hat on. Give us the disclaimer. This podcast is for educational purposes only. We are not doctors, but rather we're just trying to educate the general public to be better informed in their well-being decisions. Pop quiz. What are you not? A doctor. I've handsome. You're also not a doctor, <laughs> so you pass. Uh, if you're considering medical cannabis prescription, make sure to speak to a doctor. <clears throat> Double outfit changes for people playing at home and we're back. Um, uh, our next topic is what does cannabis do to the body? And uh, I do have to say, I told James this earlier, um, this is what really get understanding the endocannabinoid system, which is something we're going to talk about. Mm. Understanding that for me really kicks my gear into the space. It actually made me believe a little bit more because I had that, even if it is preliminary, it's that understanding um, and I was able to transfer that communication and knowledge over to other people and they were slowly understanding. So I think this topic is super exciting, especially coming from an expert. I'm excited for it to come from you. Mine came from James before, um, but he still did the job. So let's, let's hear what you got, Johnny. I'm super excited. So I, I, yeah. I the, 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 problem, the question like what does cannabis do to the body, it's pretty broad. Yeah. Like maybe before we dive into kind of like the endocannabinoid system and the research, maybe like just at a high level, what does it feel like to be taking cannabis? I imagine it changes depending on the strain, the dosing type, et cetera. Um, but what is the subjective experience of, of being um, under the, the influence of cannabis? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, this is, uh, you know, it, it, it really depends on every person. Um, everyone's going to react sort of differently uh, to cannabis um, in specific ways. And it also does depend on the variety that you take because each variety has different levels of cannabinoids um, in, 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 in different concentrations. Um, but generally, uh, the feeling of taking a cannabis with um, high THC and some CBD um, is a one of euphoria or relaxation. Um, and it can be a bit of a mood booster. So you can start to, you know, feel like a bit um, more jovial, a bit more relaxed, um, a bit, even a bit more social. Um, it, it really does help sort of to break down um, social barriers. That's why recreational cannabis is typically consumed um, with groups of friends um it and uh and it can also um be used to uh help you um get more creative so if you're undertaking a project or um you know trying to generate some ideas for something uh cannabis can help you 
with um with getting a bit more creative and unlocking some of the hidden gems within your mind mm-hmm. um and and um <laughs> i have i have uh i have been around people who have taken cannabis for the first time and um and their initial response was like whoa i feel smarter you know because like, <laughs> <yeah. laughs> they probably sounded dumber like, yeah. <laughs> yeah so um so it does vary depends on the variety depends on the person but generally um uh it, it's a really nice it's a really nice feeling and very relaxing yeah and some of the um other impacts i suppose of inhalation that g chat gpt to be honest nice, helped us out with nice. in preparation for this uh things like altered perception increased appetite dry mouth and eyes impaired coordination and of course impacts on memory so um, at a surface level quite a wide array of effects but johnny yep. obviously different dosage forms have different impacts the one that when i was a patient i was most surprised by was um oil how the impact is completely different. And whilst you get a lot of the therapeutic benefits, the psychoactive um, effect of the THC seemed to be almost non-existent. Um, how, how does the effect change with dosage forms such as oils? Yeah. Um, so it, it, it really depends on um, the, the method of ingestion. So when you're smoking it, it's really, it's going to get into your bloodstream quite quickly and you're going to feel the effects um, within sort of 10 to 15 minutes. Um, whereas when you uh, are having it uh, with drop, drops of oil, um, it has to be processed through the, um, you know, through the liver. So it, it does take a, a, bit, a bit more time. It's the same with um, edibles as well. So they do take a bit more time to break down the compounds and get into your system. So it can take, um, you know, between like uh, one, one hour to two hours to sort of feel the, the effects of it. Um, but the and, and the type of effect is sort of uh, different as well. They usually call it um, body stoned when you're um, when you're ingesting edibles. Um, and when you're smoking or, or vaping, you know, they, they typically refer, refer to it as, a, as like a headstone. Um, and uh, it, so it does give you a bit of a different feeling, whereas I suppose one you can sort of feel in your entire body, um, whereas the other may be more localised to sort of this uh, upper region up here, yeah. So just to underscore something that's really important that, that you said there. Uh, so Charlie's uh, heading to Europe for um, a couple months later in the year. And, and when you're in Amsterdam mm-hmm. and you have an edible mm-hmm. and it's been an hour, an hour and a half, mm-hmm. and it hasn't kicked in, mm-hmm. as Johnny said, it can be one to two hours. Don't have that second one. <laughs> you'll quickly realise that when the first one hits. So how long? So how, so, so how long? How long was edible wait? Uh, the oil was one to two hours. Is that what you said? Edibles as well. One, one to two. Yeah, hours. yeah. I would, I would wait two hours before um, 
having another cookie <laughs> or another yeah. brownie. Look, I think um, everyone being young in their life has experimented <laughs> and tried it and I've had my failures with edibles <laughs> and I've given up. So now knowing the stats, um, I'm actually yeah, interested to, to retrial and uh, test, yeah. test myself. Um, yeah. Um, again, you know, it does depend on how fast your own body metabolizes, yeah. um, you know, those compounds. So some people have a, a really fast metabolism. Some some have a slow metabolism. Um, but as a general rule of thumb, I would I would say minimum you know two hours before you decide to take another bite or um, have some more oil. Well, I, <laughs> yeah. I, I think that's I think that note though is really good of uh, like everyone understanding yourself. Um, because even with uh, with oil, I find for me, I'm finding finding my correct dose, um, and we'll talk about all that later. But it, there's even a placebo of it of being in my mouth and then having that taste. There is a placebo that kicks in a little bit earlier because you've said one to two hours, and that stood out to me a little bit. Um, I do find it more rapid that way, but yeah, I, I'm sticking with the oil for now rather than the smoking because that's ten to fifteen and a bit more effective, a bit too effective for mm. me. It's always interesting chatting to patients. How we've had some patients with severe chronic conditions who only need a couple drops and it has a desired effect. And mm -hmm. some patients with conditions that maybe, you know, less, less severe and a much larger amount is necessary for them. Yeah. So as I understand it, Johnny, that's re relevant to the endocannabinoid system and the number of receptors. Um, could you run us through like what is the endocannabinoid system and i will flag that you could probably do a three-hour workshop on this so <laughs> if you were to if you were to explain it uh, we'll use the yeah, at the kitchen level. table test yeah yeah, yeah. How, uh, like how, how would you explain to to somebody what the system is and, and how it's unique for, for everyone yeah um so i'll just really try to keep this at a at a high level um and I'm sure there are, are, are many uh, people who could do a better job of explaining this uh, than me, but um, the endocannabinoid uh, system is basically a system of uh, receptors that are located within your uh, central nervous system, but also in um, other parts of the body as well. Um, and this system is uh it regulates certain parts of um your processes your biological processes um and and those affect things like um your eating sleeping uh it, it you know it helps you relax um it also helps you forget and um protect the body as well so it has like an immunity um uh function uh too um, so the way, uh, the main way that, um, it, it regulates these things is by keeping these processes in homeostasis and it works through the digestive cardiovascular, um, systems as well. The, uh, immune system, as I mentioned, um, and it can, uh, through all of that affect your mood, uh, your sense of pain, uh, your sleep, your stress, um, and uh, and how you are able to fight off um, disease and infection. So um, the endocannabinoid system is really um, a powerful uh, system within us all. 
Um, and I can then go into um, how exactly it, it works at a high level if you want me to, to, to explain a bit about that. Please. 100%. Um, yeah, so, so the way it works is uh, that you have these receptors in this system um, and there are two main ones that we need to talk about and that is CB1, which uh, is in the nervous system and this uh, receptor controls the release of um, neurotransmitters, so uh, uh, molecules that sort of connect all, all your nerves. And then we have the second one, which is called CB2. And CB2 uh, is in the immune system. And that uh, controls uh, and modulates messenger molecules within the immune system as well. So CB1 and CB2, these are the two main receptors in the endocannabinoid uh, system. And we actually have endogenous cannabinoids within us that work with these receptors. Um, so one is called anandamide, which is the bliss molecule. Okay, and this uh, encourages your um, neurons to um, regenerate. So, um, and that helps with um, signaling and also uh, reduces inflammation as well, um, which is a very common um, cause of pain for a lot of people. The second endocannabinoid that we have is called 2AG. And this activates the CB1 and CB2 receptors, and it improves all the signaling that goes through those receptors and enhances the uh, biochemical bonds. So I know that is a whole lot of jargon for us, <laughs> right? Okay. But um, that's a high-level overview is that the endocannabinoid system helps to um, regulate many processes in our um, body that uh, get us through the day, like eating and sleeping and relaxation. Um, and it all and it acts through these two main receptors, which is CB1 and CB2, and they are activated by our endogenous cannabinoids, anandamide and 2AG. So that's the internal system um, uh, and, and what's already within us. And then cannabis comes in from the outside and interacts with that system. So, so that's what yeah, the endocannabinoid system is. It, it, am I correct in saying, so I did do research back, back in the day and I'm trying to leverage off the research that I've actually done. <laughs> One of the things um, that I did found with the endocannabinoid system, and I, I, I may be wrong, uh, I saw that it was uh, discovered in 1992 um, and that seems very late in terms of discovering a system that's within our body. Um, is, yeah. is, is that correct? And does that play a part in kind of, uh, I don't want to dive into the stigma, but the understanding of the system and how doctors understand the endocannabinoid system now? Yeah, that's a really good point, Charlie. Um, it, it was, a, it's a fairly, you know, in the grand scheme of things, it's a fairly recent um, discovery uh, in, in medicine um, that we even have this system. Um, so, yeah, it was discovered in the early 90s. And then there was like a flurry of um, discoveries made about how it works 
um, and what these receptors are and what these endocannabinoids are and how they work. And that kind of was all done in the in in the nineties, um, and then and and so the the medical community is playing catch up mm-hmm. um, in terms of learning uh, and educating themselves about how it works and what it means for um, illnesses and um, benefits to to our health. Mm-hmm. Um, so there is a, a still, even in, 20, in 2023, uh, that there, there is a lot of um, catch up that needs to be done um, in terms of education around um, how, you know, what this uh, system can do and how cannabis plays a role in modulating that system um, and helping us get healthier. Mm. It's kind of crazy to think that we've got a system in our body that affects so many different parts of our life mm-hmm. with our homeostasis and sense of balance. It was only discovered 30 years ago, most of which it was illegal in many countries mm-hmm. and still heavily uh, uh, you know, outlawed today. And it just makes you wonder in an alternate universe where we had 200 years of research, you know, going into this, like how, where, would we how, where we would be. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Times. Well, the the funny thing is that over a hundred years ago, cannabis was a legitimate medicine in in Western society, and um, it, it was listed in the um, you know common medicines used to treat a lot of um, ailments, and uh, and 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 then after uh, um, some years, it was outlawed and and taken off. And the main reason is because they didn't understand how um, it worked and mm. they couldn't get the dosage right. Oh. So, so in Western medicine, there's a difference between Eastern and Western medicine. So Eastern medicine is more holistic and um, the, uh, cannabis has been around in Eastern medicine for thousands of years. And they would just give you uh, the whole flower, the whole herb. But in Western medicine, we and, and, and you know Western science, we we like to break down things to tiny little elements, individual components, and have full control about how those components are going to be prescribed to you as a as a medicine. And so until we could work out what the components of cannabis was, how they worked, are they safe, what dosages, cannabis medicine was outlawed. <laughs> but so, so it's not a new thing. It's actually a renewed uh, medicine, which I find absolutely, yeah, fascinating um in terms of the history of um of western medicine so it's come back full circle you know um yeah it went away into uh i got excited about the history so apologies there but uh we do want to break down how does cannabis actually interact with this system so and their cannabinoid system would you be able to fill us in there johnny totally so as I mentioned before, uh, there are endocannabinoids with, which are in us, and there are also phytocannabinoids, and they're the ones that come from the plant. And 
they also have a very similar structure to the endocannabinoids. So um, when we talk about uh, cannabinoids from cannabis, they are able to do the same sort of job that endocannabinoids are able to do. And what that means is they bind to those CB1 and CB2 receptors and they set off the signals through the endocannabinoid system um, and that all regulates the links between the immune system and all the nerves. Um, the catch is that different cannabinoid and receptor interactions lead to different effects. And as I mentioned um, earlier, there are over 100 uh, different cannabinoids in the, in the plant. Um, but they're not the only compound that the plant produces as well. They produce other compounds uh, such as terpenes and flavonoids, uh, flavanols, and they are able to uh, interact together with the cannabinoids to produce a more holistic effects, which is known as the entourage effect. Um, so when you are consuming cannabis, the effect that it's going to have or the medicinal benefits and the way it interacts with the endocannabinoid system depends on which cannabinoids are in there and which terpenes and flavanols are in there as well. Um, so to give you some examples, with uh, I'll talk about the two main cannabinoids, THC and CBD. So THC, we know that um, it's the psychoactive component and it activates uh, the CB1 receptor. Now, what are the effects of THC? So some of the benefits you can get out of that um, are pain relief, uh, appetite being increased, nausea uh, being reduced, and it can also help with your sleep as well. So that's the kind of interaction uh, of THC and CB1 coming together to produce those effects. Now, the other main uh, cannabinoid is CBD. So what interactions does that have? Well, CBD is actually, as we know, the non-psychoactive cannabinoid, and it has a, uh, a, a really good connection with the CB2 receptor. Um, and also some other receptors uh, such as the uh, dopamine and serotonin receptors as well. So when CBD interlocks with these receptors, some of the benefits can be reduced uh, inflammation, uh, again, reduced pain. It can also help with anxiety, depression, and improve your immune system. Um, and it also has uh, helpful effects with, with sleep as well. Um, some of the uh, sort of the side effects of these uh, compounds, though, um, with THC, you could be uh, looking at um, increased anxiety if you have a really big dose. And you might also have that slowed reaction and impaired uh, memory. Whereas with CBD, uh, uh, there's not that many uh, side effects or they're not, they're very mild. So you're looking at maybe possibly like a dry mouth, um, a bit of drowsiness, which is, you know, part of the reason why it helps with sleep. 
Um, and also it can um, have uh, effects with your um, medica other medications that, that you take. Um, I won't go into the details of that just yet. Uh, we'll talk about uh, that in the in the safety uh, the safety about these compounds in the next episode. Yeah, amazing, beautiful. Um, have you heard of the lock and key analogy, Johnny, in terms of the energy yeah. system? Um, exactly. I, I, I don't know if you broke that broke that down there, but it because that from a high, the highest level possible, um, that's what really made me understand. And sometimes when we get into the jargon, I get a little bit lost. So. Uh, for anyone, even if James, because you, you you did explain or we'll let Johnny, the expert, take over for the lock and key. Uh, do you want to facilitate um, uh, this as well with Johnny into the lock and key analogy and break down what that is? Johnny, do you want to run us through? Because there was a time where I could I could uh, explain this, but I don't back myself these days. Yeah, well, it's it's pretty simple analogy, basically. And it's to describe the interaction between the cannabinoids and the receptors. So if you think about the receptors as the lock and each lock has um, a specific uh, key that it accepts and then you think about the cannabinoids as that key and then they come together and they meet and they're able to, uh, the cannabinoids are able to unlock the, um, the, the receptor and all the signals that uh, that come from that receptor as well. So it's a really nice analogy to sort of understand um, how they the cannabinoids and the receptors are made for each other. Mm -hmm. You know, like the lock and the key, it's made for each other. Same with the CB1 and CB2 receptors and the cannabinoids as well. So they're very specific. Um, and uh, and they go together to produce all these uh, um, effects on our health, and um, and so that's a pretty nice high level way of understanding how the interactions between the receptor and the cannabinoids work. Mm -hmm. I, I have to ask. This is probably a little bit too in the weeds, but do you think <laughs> in the future, if we've got these, like you know, to, to use the analogy, we've got locks already in our body. We've also got keys already flying around doing their shit. And then when you consume cannabis, you're functionally putting additional keys in that um, operate or interact with the endocannabinoid system. Do you think in the future there will be a diagnosed condition that is, to use the analogy, a deficiency of either locks or keys, which might be supplemented by you know cannabis treatments yeah um to, to you know to interact with that system yeah well the future is now james <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah so there there is actually a um a a cannabinoid uh, deficiency syndrome wow. um that is a you know being diagnosed at at the moment um, I can't recall the exact uh, name of it, um, but it is something that can be treated with medicinal cannabis mm -hmm. um, for that you know very reason that you are putting in additional keys in, into the system. So uh, yeah, there, there are definitely reports of a deficiency in um, endogenous cannabinoids, um, and that. Uh, can be remedied with um, with specific um, medicinal cannabis um, uh, compounds. Yeah, 
And it's so interesting when you said you couldn't remember the name, I just Googled cannabinoid deficiency syndrome. The, there was no other definition given, so that wasn't helpful. But reading what it does say, it says that clinical endocannabinoid deficiency is a medical theory that proposes a deficiency of endocannabinoids. And then some yeah. of the underlying um, like causes of this can be things like migraines, fibromyalgia, and irritability. Yeah irritable bowel syndrome, which I find so interesting because a surprisingly large percent of our patients come mm -hmm. to us saying that they've got fibromyalgia. Yeah. They've tried a number of treatments and they haven't found everything that's worked. And yeah. interestingly, yeah. a lot of they, those guys are, are the patients who come back a couple months later and say like, this has really helped. So maybe, you know, when the research advances in a decade, uh, something like clinical endocannabinoid deficiency is what all of these people will be formally diagnosed with. Yeah, that's it. And I think that's a really good segue into the next topic, which is benefits, what medical can, um, what medical conditions uh, cannabis is used for, uh, side effects and safety. So, Let's jump across. Hell yeah, I'll we'll dive what, into I'm the next. I'm glad that we came back and added that extra bit because yeah. that was important. Yeah, that, well was, that was the main thrust <laughs> yeah. of the conversation. Right, we'll see you in a sec. Thanks, Johnny. Thanks, Johnny. Awesome. Awesome. <laughs>